Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Sunday. It's not quite an emergency edition of the Peristyle Podcast, but it's close. We are going to talk about USC's inept offensive performance up on the farm, losing to Stanford 17-3. We got Coach Harvey Hyde on the line. We got Chloe Christikopoulos here in studio. Did I say that right, Chloe? Really close. Yeah, what did I say? What, what is it? Chrissy Coppolis. Chrissy Coppolis, not Christy Coppolis. Okay, sorry. Sorry about that. Uh, Chloe's in studio. Going to help us out with the questions. We got a lot to get to. We were all up there. Uh, Chloe and I were both up there at the game. If you have any questions or comments, podcast at uscfootball.com. Or you can text us, 424-254-9141. You can text. You can leave a voicemail. You guys left a lot of voicemails. I went through 19 voicemails just this morning. There's more on the way. Um, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, but if it's going over a minute, I just can't even listen to it, let alone play it on there. There's just too many coming in. So try to keep them concise. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be pretentious or anything, but there's way too many coming in. I just need to, if you keep them tight, we'd love to talk about whatever you want to talk about, but two and a half minute voicemails, uh, I can't do those. So sorry about that. You can have your own show. You can start your own podcast and we'll go something like that. Um, well, Coach, he's on the line, too. What is up, Coach? How are you? Ryan, it's uh, great to be with you, and I'm great. Um, I'm thankful we have a, a guest with us today because we need uh, all the support that we can get. And uh, we want to welcome all of you out there, no matter where you are. We always say buckle up before we get started. And, Ryan, I'm sure we have a lot of questions, so I want to answer our uh, people who want their questions answered yet we should have an opportunity here maybe to get warmed up a little bit yeah. and get people uh ready yeah we'll get them ready when uh you know it's uh, it was not a pleasant weekend my twitter mentions were like through the roof crazy uh, i'm sure you guys have seen the same things uh so we're going to talk about the game of course we're going to try to answer as many of your questions as possible there's no way we can get to them all but we're going to do our best um one of the things southern california tickets before we get started sc tickets Go to SoCalTix.com or call them at 1-800-888-7287. Check them out. Tell Curtis the coach sent you. Do you want to go down to Austin, see what happens there? I have no idea what to expect going down there, but I'll be on that flight this week. If you want to go down there and check it out, SoCal Tickets can help you out. All right. Uh, coach, I, you know, we do have a lot of questions. I'll probably cover just about everything, but love to get your opening rant. You always tweet uh, after each quarter. Um you know, give, a, give give us a few thoughts first before we jump in and uh, and dive into everyone's questions. Well, first of all, I I know everybody's very disappointed, and uh, I know that the team. I hope they're very disappointed. I hear a lot of optimism as far as you know. It's a learning process, and so on. It is a learning process, but you're supposed to learn on on the practice field. And I think that if you watched uh, a lot of television this weekend of college football. You heard a statement by Kirby Smart, the head football coach from uh, the University of Georgia, say, you know, we deserve to win because we work so hard in practice that when the games come, it's easy. And that used to be my philosophy, too. I used to say we get better during the week 
by the way we practice and by the way we improve and execute so that we can execute on Saturday. And if you play hard and you have the intensity, then you're ready to play on Saturday. And then if you watch the press conference after the game with Coach David Shaw, he made this statement, and this is the way he explained Stanford. Stanford, we call ourselves Stanford Toughness. We're tough. We will try to out-tough anybody we play, even though they have more athletic ability than we have. And I think that's what you saw, and I think that's who they are, and they take a lot of pride in that. Now, when you look at USC, you see great athletes, but they're not in the position to perform and do what they're supposed to do. And I think we said from the very beginning of this entire series, when JT Daniels was going to be selected or announced to be the quarterback for USC, that you've got to win with defense, you've got to win with special teams, and you've got to have a running game, stretch the field, utilize the tight end, don't let him double cover your outside receivers, and bring him along slowly. Don't put everything on his shoulders. And right now, everybody's headlines, and everybody keeps talking about an 18-year-old kid that's playing quarterback for USC. That's old news. That's old news. We have to get give that kid an opportunity to be successful. He's not Sam Darnold. There aren't many Sam Darnolds, so there's got to be an opportunity for him maybe someday to come close to being Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold starting in the NFL today. So, you know, you got to look at all these different things, and you got to remember that Sideline discipline is so important. Practice discipline is so important. Execution is so important. Communication is so important. You've got to look at all of these things, and the first thing you look at is yourself, the head football coach, and evaluate yourself. Hey, I'm doing something wrong because we're not performing as a coaching staff. We're not performing as athletes, and what is it? So you look at it. You look at yourself. You have a staff meeting. I probably would have had a staff meeting last night. We came back. I don't care if it's three in the morning, four in the morning. It makes no difference to me. I can't sleep during the season anyway. And I would have dreamt about that game the entire night anyway. You have thousands of hours in preparation for a football season. And every time we waste one play or one minute, then we are destroying ourselves. And there's so many of these type of situations we can talk about, such as the fourth and two decision to go for it. You're down seven, nothing. Uh, at, on the road, you're a six-point underdog anyway. It's fourth and two. Well, okay, you're throwing the ball every down. You got down there by running the football. Don't go for it. Play the odds. And if you're going to go for it, don't make it a direct snap. When you make it a direct snap, you know it's a pass. At least keep them wondering you might be running for it, but you get a direct snap, you get sacked, and that turns the football game around, but you go in with the momentum against you. Stanford goes in with more confidence. You come back out. And, of course, you know, the second half or total game, you score three points, which isn't something really encouraging. And on the defensive side of the football, you played good enough defense to win a football game. Yeah, 100% agree. And uh, you've got to be able, you've got to be able on defense to not just try to gamble and take away the inside because you give something away on the outside. You've always heard me say as a coach, if I can't do this, I'm going to do that. And that's what Stanford did. Stanford couldn't run that well inside with the toss, so they went and ran the toss outside. 
And when they ran the toss outside, they had great success. Stanford, when they threw the ball, created mismatches with their 6-7 tight end and their 6-4, 6-2, Arvin, their split receiver. And uh, just you couldn't defend them when you're 5'10", 5'11", even six foot or 6'1", because it's like a basketball rebound. And when you did that, went to try to double cover them in that type of coverage, what did they do? They hit their tight end. They went to their tight end, so you have to keep your safeties in the middle of the field. And that's something USC doesn't do, so that's why they get so much double coverage on their outside receiver. So I've got everybody warmed up. Let's get started. Yeah, warmed up, Coach. Um, it was, uh, I, I think, I don't think anyone would really disagree with anything you said. It, it's amazing. The message boards, how crazy they were, the Twitter mentions, like everything was nuts. And you can tell by listening to some of these voicemails, I think we're going to start with some of those. Cause you can, can kind of feel them and the passion, uh, from some of the fans that wrote in. So let me, uh, let me start off. You know, you mentioned about preparation a little bit. I'm going to play this voicemail talking about that. Hey, Ryan, what's going on? This is Don from the East Coast. This one is for Harvey Hyde. Harvey Hyde, you being a coach that you were, I want to ask you, what did, what have you seen, Harvey Hyde? Because I know, based on what I know as a player who, who, who previously played, everything comes down to practice. And if your practice is a week during out the week, going out the week, excuse me, no pun intended, if, it, if it's not, if it's just kind of just going through the motions, then you're going to, you're going to, you're going to play like that. And I just wonder, like, what is he thinking? Like, Clay Helen, you can get everything goes back to him. Everything goes back to the line play. Everything goes back to the coach, the plays being called. So now we got to look at him and the staff that he hired. He hired these guys. So obviously he didn't do enough background checks. The only one he hired outside that was a great choice was Clancy because the defense has been solid. They gave up a couple of big plays here and there, but all in all, they played a great defensive game last year. They were pretty solid last year as well. Excuse me, last night they had a great defensive game. I, I just, Coach Hyde, I just want to see how, if, as you as a coach, how would you change things starting Monday with this team going forward based on these last two weeks of performances? Once again, you guys do a great job over there. This is Don from the East Coast. Fight on. Well, thank you. First of all, I think you've heard me say this before, so I'm repeating myself. You can start off real tough and then get easy, but you can't start off real easy and then get tough. Players don't like that. They, they don't understand it. And it's sort of they uh, rebel on you. What is this all about? Like, for example, you know, you have three offensive linemen that don't play or don't practice during the week because they're hurt. So when the game comes, they all three start. It's amazing the quick recovery you get. It's very difficult to not practice all week and then play at the intensity level that you need to play at. And I think that you've got to get your players to play. Now, if they're too hurt to play in practice and they're too hurt to play in the game, then don't play them. Bring somebody along that's ready to play. You've got to have a tough mentality of who you are, what your identity is, the pride in who you are and what you play. And you don't want to be looked at as, a guy that can't play football or tough enough to play football. Football is a tough game, guys. we got to understand that it's a gladiator game. I used to call it a gladiator game. You go into the arena and only one guy comes out. Well, that's basically the same thing when you go into an arena with a football game, only one team wins. So you've got to be or have that mentality feeling about who you are 
and you want the other team to throw in the white towel. Now, Stanford's not going to throw in the white towel. Their whole program is on tough, is toughness. Now, also, Stanford is a very good defensive football team. Fundamentally, they're really good. They don't make mistakes. They play fundamentally. God, they're better this year than they were last year defensively. They have a good push. They're smarter what their calls are. So you're going against a good defensive team, so you better be prepared. And if you don't do the right things to go against a great defensive team and keep them off balance and spread the field equally as far as you don't see any bootlegs, you don't see any type of uh, counters, you don't see anything to keep the backside from closing down, and they're all closing down to the middle. Stretch plays, toss plays. I mean, uh, I think Bryce Love is a great running back. But I also three, think that the three backs at USC are pretty good running backs. You've got to believe in the run to be able to do it. You just can't run once in a while because you're afraid somebody's going to be critical. And the consistency, you run three plays and then you pass for five plays. Uh, I just really don't know what you're thinking about when you're doing these things. But basically, I think it's discipline. I think, and when I watch the game, I wonder about the communication sometimes. Ryan, you can still tell me, is the defensive line coach still in the press box? I be- Yeah, I believe uh, Kenichi Daisy is still up there. I have never in my life as a head football coach heard of a defensive line coach being in the press box because he's the one that gets them riled up and gets them to play great football and should be on the field. And also the communication between the quarterbacks as a group I don't see. I don't see them with headsets on. I don't see them knowing every play that's being called. I see that when JT comes off the field, he sits down with Coach Ellis. Where's the other two guys? They're one play away from playing, just like when the JT got hurt. Matt went in the game. Was he prepared and ready to go in the game? These are the little things I see or the urgency when JT got hurt, how they walked in to get their x-ray. Hell, if I was coaching, I'd look over at them and say, run in. You didn't break your leg. You hurt your hand. Run into the get it next. We need you back if you're not hurt. These are the little things I see. All right, Coach. Uh, Chloe, you got a question over there you want to read? I do indeed. All right, this is from Tarek Muhammad. After watching the Stanford game, the USC storyline seems very similar to 2017, where the defense has to carry the team due to a lack of offensive effectiveness. Defensively, I thought we played well for the most part. The only critique I have was that the DBs giving slot receivers too much cushion. Offensively, the running backs are awesome. Other than that, the wide receivers couldn't seem to get much separation, and we remain remedial in the red zone regardless of talent level. What needs to change? Well, if you remember, Ryan, I tweeted that out. I said that uh, the routes they work on, they work a period on it every day, the fade route with the rebounding type of play. It's all timing. And I tweeted out that you can't allow that to continue. You've got to come up and you've got to play man, tight man press on those guys. Because it's all timing. You can't let them off the line of scrimmage. You've got to jam them on the line of scrimmage and get, get the timing off. You can't allow Costello just to go back, sit there, see where he is, throw the ball up in the air. You don't want him to know where he is. You want to even knock him out of bounds if you can. You want to disrupt the whole route if you can. 
You can't just let those guys go down the field like that. The same thing as when uh, Urban was running those slant routes and things. You can't allow that. You've got to take an inside position so that they can't get inside to run those slant, slant routes. You've got to be able to disrupt so they don't know where you're going to play. You've got to do different things to throw that timing right off. So what do they do? That's exactly what I was telling you. They try to take advantage of mismatches, where you're, what your secondary's doing, and they don't utilize some of the techniques they should have played. Probably what they should have played for a period of time was man with a with cover two. Then they would have had to watch Smith, of course, number 82, the tight end, put somebody on him, but tight end just, just killed you yesterday. Why delay? That's something I've always thought that USC should run. And then the seam route, up the seam, the middle of the field. USC doesn't run any type of post routes, drag routes, anything that you used to see last year, you don't see. Even last year, you didn't do it enough. The corner routes, different type of routes. And the main reason I think they don't run a lot at this is they don't get any time to read the field. If you look at JT, he locks in on one receiver and throws to that receiver. He does not have time or the experience to read the field. All right, Coach, uh, this one is uh, this next question. I was tweeting about this as well, and uh, I think Shotgun Spratling was uh, tweeted during the game very late where he said, um, Clay Hilton, I forget, I think it was like four minutes left, and he said, we're going to go to a two-minute offense now. Uh, It just seemed like down 14 points, you needed to have a much uh, higher sense of urgency, and that's what this question's about. Yeah, this is Richard from uh, Stevens Ranch right after the uh, Stanford game. Uh, just proves that Clay Helton is uh, outcoached by David Shaw again. Woeful offense, uh, extremely ineffective offensive line, which has gone on for two years in a row. But the thing that really bothered me was there didn't seem to be any sense of urgency with that team tonight. And uh, the last five or six minutes, they kept using the entire clock made me think that maybe they thought the game uh, was completely over. But uh, I'm not sure. Uh, there seems to be a lot of issues here, a lot of question marks, and I think it starts with the coaching staff, the play calling, and uh, they're going to have to get it together real quick. Otherwise, we're in for a long season. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the show very much, and fight on. Well, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you and, and uh, on on your points. I think that they're going to have to get it together, and maybe Stanford is better than what people think. Let's talk positively for a minute. Stanford might be a real good football team. I just told you a minute ago that defensively they are better than what they were a year ago, and I'm not afraid to tell you now they're better offensively too, because Costello has really developed in the quarterback. He really has. Now, USC, you know, Texas is not the world beater. You've heard me talk about Arizona earlier, and I'm going to talk about Texas. Watch a little bit of them, and they're not world beaters. If USC's got their stuff together, they should go down and beat them. But will they have their stuff together? Will they have the right type of offense? And I talked about that last week when I said Coach Helton has got to approve the game plan. You've got to be a part of it, Coach, because it's not working. You've got to do some things differently. And we talk about these things. Uh, You've got to do some different things. Uh, you're not picking up the cross charges. You're not doing anything there. Uh, they're confusing your offensive lineman on pass and, and all the little things that are part of football techniques you don't want to hear. But you've got to be able 
to attack people with an identity and a reason that if this doesn't work, I'm going to do that. But you don't have any series. It's like grab bagging. I'll run this play, and then I'm going to run that play, and then I'm going to do this. And this guy hadn't caught the ball for a while, so I'm going to make him happy. I'm going to throw it to him. And, and it just doesn't work that way. Your playmakers has got to touch the football. Now, right now, when I watch the offense, I don't see anybody being afraid at all of the receivers from USC. And they should be. They are not making big plays. They, they have to make the, uh, plays. They're not open. They're not open for a couple of reasons. First of all, I don't think they have great speed. Now, I don't know, but I haven't never timed them. And I think that you need speed as far as on the outside that they fear. Then you have a chance to throw in the middle of the field when they really fear your outside receivers. Your running backs are great running backs, but you've got to use those running backs. You've got to have counters with those running backs. Hey, Brown and Jones, these guys should be running counters. You never take a ball under center. There's great series. If you watch Stanford, they took the ball under center. They ran an eye. They ran a jumbo. They ran a lot of uh, 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 slots with their tight ends and ran their toss into there. Then they went back into the gun, and they ran those plays. But they had a purpose for every formation as far as looking at you to see what you were going to do. And then the way you covered it is what we did. I don't see USC doing that. And I don't see them taking advantage of their athletes and all of the different things. They've got Petite up there blocking on pass. The poor kid, he can't block on pass. He's just not a good pass blocker. Now, I have to give credit to the backs. I thought the backs get a pretty good job in, in picking up backers or picking up linemen on some of the stunts that went there, and they stuck their face in there and did a pretty good job. But you got to have time to throw the ball. Giving up, what, four sacks? If you do that figure that out every game, four sacks, hey, man, that isn't going to get it done for you because it always puts you in a hole. So there's, I think a lot of it has to do with the game planning, utilizing your players, uh, getting a purpose of identity, not run, like I say every week, it's not the number of plays you run. It's how you execute them. And you have to understand, I've said this every week too, with a young quarterback, why not have a little huddle. Why not? And get a little urgency. When you get in the huddle and you talk to your players, you take a break three yards from the line of scrimmage, run the play where everybody understands what's going on. Why not? You don't have to be like everybody else. You're USC. You don't see Staben copying anybody. You see, you don't see Urban Meyer copying anybody. You'd like to think USC's program is on the same level. So you've got to be able to be physical. You recruit against that type of level and the urgency and the two-minute drill and those type of things, I have to agree 100%. There is no hurry-up offense whatsoever. They run it at the same pace that they run the regular offense. So, Coach, you mentioned earlier that they need to be prepared in case JT gets hurt. And I know that Fink was named the backup quarterback. A lot of us were shocked because Sears clearly had the better camp. And personally, I thought that Sears should have been named the backup quarterback. Tarek had a question about that. Did we see enough from Fink to know that Sears should get a chance if Daniels gets hurt again? Say that one more time, please. So did we see enough from Fink last night to know that Sears should get a chance if Daniels gets hurt again? Well, you know, that's, of course, the coach's decision. 
Uh, I'm not in staff meetings. I'm not at practice as often as you guys are. I was at a couple of practices, several practices. And like I've told everyone before, if you change all their jersey numbers and they're out there and you didn't really know who they were because you've been there, it's very difficult to tell who's who. And I think it was a very difficult choice to decide who the starter was. I think they picked uh, Matt Fink because he had a little bit more experience than Sears. I think Sears had a great camp, uh, but I think they did that because of experience. Now, as far as any other reasons, I have no idea. As far as knowledge of game plans or what their thoughts are or any of that, I have no idea. But, uh, you know, JT Daniels, basically, uh, when I'm saying this, the media the preseason magazines, his high school career, all of that more or less dictated to him being the starting quarterback. I mean, it was almost predetermined in my mind, the way I read it, the things that are coming out, the interviews as far as being set up, all those things almost pointed to that he was going to be the starting quarterback. I mean, I would have been more surprised if he didn't get it than if he did. So, I think that, you know, I hope the kid is liked by his teammate. I know he's, every time I see him, he's more or less by himself. I'd like to see the team give him more support, gather around him, talk to him. I know they like Sam Darnold a lot. They had a lot of confidence in Sam Darnold. And, you know, being 18 years old, and here I am talking about something I'm tired of hearing, but he's got to step up and be a leader and take over the team if he's going to be assume that role. So uh, I think he got to be given that opportunity, and they got to be able to help him reach that opportunity by what they're doing offensively. And right now, what they're doing offensively isn't going to get it done. Unless they change some things, they're going to have trouble the entire year. We got another voicemail question, Coach. I'll play it for you. Tommy from Mesa, Arizona. Quick question. Has USC ever heard of reverses or screen passes or jet sweeps? I mean, because I just don't see it ever in the office. And I, I see every week I watch football every Saturday and Sunday like everybody else, and I see just other offenses mixing things up. SC usually is the exact same thing, some type of run up the middle, or you're just going to throw the ball out of the shotgun. It's the same thing every week. I just wanted to know. Anybody can answer that question. Thank you. Fight on. Well, Yes, it is the same thing every week, and it's more vanilla this year than it was last year. And it shouldn't be, because if you're running the ball to your one remaining back, then your quarterback's got to be at the second back or the threat. I don't know how many times I have to tell you, if you watch college football uh, all over television, if you're running this offense, your quarterback is athletic. He's athletic at Ohio State. He's athletic at Alabama. He's athletic at Clemson. He's athletic anywhere. So these guys are a threat that they can run the ball inside, outside, bootleg. If you try to, if you don't contain them, they're going to take the ball and go on the key. There's not that threat at all with USC. So immediately, what do you do? You just play one back. You key off of one back. You know the quarterback's not going to run. And if he does run, who cares? You run him down. Because they aren't going to do it very often. When Matt Fink went in the game, what was it, last week? Everyone knew what play they were going to call to keep. You can't be predictable like that. You've got to be able to run the complete offense to why and how the offense was designed 
or you're not running it right. And they've got to design something that they should be running. They should be running something like Stanford with that type of quarterback. Costello doesn't run the ball. They don't want him running the ball. Then why can't USC run that type? I'm not telling you to copy him, but I'm telling you to be that type of offense, playing great defense, where you have great players and you're able to, you know, use the systems that you need to do to win. You don't need a lot of different plays. You just got to believe in what you do and do it well. And their their philosophy at Stanford is called toughness. And uh, I think that goes a long way when you're playing a gladiator game. So last night, my mom and I were watching the presser, and Pittman and Cam just looked broken and almost like deers in the headlights. They just didn't comprehend what had just happened. Someone had a question about the morale of the team. This is Andrew from Fontana. What does this loss do for the morale of the team? I read that before the game, Gustin said, we will be able to find out the identity of this team. This team has playmakers on both sides of the ball to be able to do what it takes to win the game. And here we are for the second time in the Clay Helton era, not being able to score a touchdown. Well, I'll tell you, I'd have a meeting with the team because I think that's what you do as a head coach. And, and I would say, I'm going to find out who the winners are here. I mean, this is when, you know, who's going to go in the foxhole with me. I mean, everybody's going to be taking shots at us. We've got to be able to know that's going to happen. So we got to band together and as a team and be able to withstand that. And we're the ones that are the ones that can only change that media or change the headline. No one else. We can change it. And I would say if there are any locker room lawyers in here, I don't need to have you around either. So don't be talking behind the team. Don't be trying to figure out the problems at home with parents and with all your friends and girlfriends as far as how it's the coach's fault or whatever. It's all of us that win. It's all of us that lose. And I'd, I'd, I'd have this time of, type of direct conversation with them. And I would probably say, and in a lot of cases, it's more my fault than it is yours. Or maybe it's the coach's fault more than it is yours. But we're going to try to correct that. And as a head football coach, you've got to be able to know how to correct those type of things, even if it's, and I don't want to say these type of things, even if it's making changes in things. You've got to be able to do that. You have a responsibility. You've got to be able to do that because there's too many of the exact things happening that shouldn't be happening. And players that are upset that you lose, there's nothing wrong with that. They've got pride in the program. But where there's a problem if people try to solve it a different way rather than the real way on how you solve that, and that's work hard, make the necessary changes, and win football games. Because if Stanford's as good a football team as we hope they are, Texas is a so-so team, you can beat them. Arizona is a so-so team, you can beat them. Washington State is a so-so team, you can beat them. Arizona State is a so-so team, they're surprised that they're 2-0, and you can beat them. A team you got to be a little bit scared of is Colorado. They're really coached well and had a big win at Nebraska, and when you do that, all you do is get better because they're improving. Now, how does USC improve? They improve and they put it on themselves. They have not improved. You don't see anyone improving. Now, UCLA, and I hate to bring them up on this show, 
They got beat by Oklahoma, but they got better this week. You can see that they got better. They executed better. They have a quarterback that hasn't played quarterback but one year in high school. He was a receiver before he became a quarterback his final senior year. So if he's getting better, JT Daniels should be getting better. The offensive line should be getting better at USC. So you've got to get better, and that's what you have to look at. Why aren't we getting better? Then if we're not getting better, it's got to come back to us. It's our responsibility that these guys get A's on their grades. If they're not getting A's on their grades, then we're not coaching them right. All right, Coach, we got another voicemail for you. Oh, by the way, I disagree on Arizona. They're not a mediocre team. They're terrible. <laughs> um, you were right, though. Like I, th- I thought they would be a, a decent team this year, but they, they try, try to change the offense, and uh, it's not working. And Arizona State, I think they're better than mediocre. They look pretty good. Herm Edwards didn't try to change a lot. He didn't come in there and mix everything up, but they're just kind of continuing what they're doing. But um, – and, you know, the way the way they played against Stanford, you could lose to anybody on the schedule. But you're right. They, they should be able to beat these teams. Um, here's another voicemail question for you. Hey, Ryan and Coach and Dan. This is Paul from Ohio. 60 years a fan. This has to be the most frustrating one. And I've traveled across the country to go to many games, many losses. Um, this is the Alabama and Ohio State games most recently. But even those weren't as frustrating. But this one really hurts. I, I, I guess my question is – the lack of sense of urgency on offense and, and the lack of of competing or, or being upset when things are not executed. I'm tired of hearing we have to execute better. Somebody needs to step up and be accountable to hold as a leader why we are not executing. Where, where does the fault lie? Is it with the head coach? Is it the offensive coordinator? Um, is it with the players? I don't want to pick on the young kids. I'm not happy with the quarterback today, but – uh, I'll, I'll give them a, a little bit longer chance. I'm interested in your thoughts on the lack of a sense of urgency and getting somebody to construct the execution, not make it an excuse. Thanks. Love the show, guys. Okay, let, let me ask you, Ryan, are you on the sideline at all during the game? Uh, no, I'm up in the press box. All right. Well, I had someone, and I won't say who it is, that was on the sideline for the UNLV game and also – uh, the UNLV game, and he went to both sides. He had that type of access. There's a lot of electricity, he said, on the UNLV sideline. Everybody's in the game. Everybody's really fired up. Uh, there's a certain number of people that are allowed on the sideline. Everybody on the sideline is there for a reason. They're there to either coach the team or they're a trainer or a doctor or whatever. They have a purpose. I think you get a lot of distractions when you have people on the sideline that are there just to watch a game or get in the way of everybody. I mean, and I think USC has more of that than most programs. I think you've got to clear the bench in the area of non-participants. And I don't care who they are. I mean, yes, you might have played at USC, but you're not playing there now. And you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but that's just a philosophy. It starts with a philosophy of, hey, guys, we're executing. When I go into surgery... Do I bring everybody in the the operating room just to BS around? I've got I, I could kill not, this coach. guy. No, I could kill this guy. Probably would anyway. But <laughs> but but the point of it is, you got to keep the sideline focused. You got to keep the defensive line coach on the field. You got to keep headsets 
on the quarterbacks, all quarterbacks, so they know exactly what's going on in the game. Everybody has got to communicate. The defensive coaches have got to communicate with their players. They've got to go to the sideline. The entire offensive team should go and have benches as far as a range, a range so that when the offense comes off the field, the offensive coaches are there and talking to every member of the offense, not just the kids that are playing. The same thing with the defensive side of the ball. There should be benches that are that are arranged so that they go down and sit down. Starters are sitting, backups are standing behind their position so that everybody hears what the coaches are saying as far as adjustments and everything else. It starts with the way you come on the field, the way you ride the bus, the way you fix your hair, the way you wear your uniform, the way you tie your shoes, the way you put your socks on. Every single thing is part of a football program. Remember, if you have a lot of problem little things, termites can destroy big buildings because it just starts eating away at everything. So you've got to be consistent on what it's all about. And, you know, you have people, some people that, that are on scholarship that don't even practice. Or don't, I don't understand what they're doing uh, there. Uh, uh, I'm not going to mention their names, but I just wonder if they're just there to, to, to eat and get trained and then redshirt and then leave. I'm not quite sure, but you've got to feel a part of a team. You've got to bleed your colors. You've got to support your players. And I, I just don't see that, and I love Clay Helton. I keep telling you that all the time. But he needs a couple of guys around him, a couple of guys that they don't like, a couple of guys that, uh, that when they look at you, you start to cry. And, and I think that's what's lacking on that staff. Coach, you talked about the O-line or lack thereof for USC. Steven is wondering, what will it take for the offensive line to get over the hump? It seems like a development issue because we get the recruits. Well, I wish I had that answer. Uh, I think it's, well, that's a difficult question to answer, but uh, you got to coach these guys up and, they got their unit. Remember the five guys that play on the offensive line, they never get their name called unless they're holding somebody, okay? And, and then the, the official says, number 51 holding, first and 10 or first and 20 or whatever the heck it is. I mean, you got to build a pride within this group where, you know, they're tougher than anybody else. They know that. And it starts in practice going against the defense. The defense, the same thing. You got to put ones against ones. You got to put them in. You got to give them every type of look and build a pride. And if you have a fight once in a while, I keep telling you, that's not going to kill anybody. They're going to hurt their hands before they hurt anybody, because that's what you call competitiveness. That's what you call don't hold me. That's what you say. I'm going to beat you into the ground. And I think sometimes if you don't coach like that, I don't know. Uh, I I used to love my players and once my players knew I love them it's like a parent if a parent spanked you you didn't hate them because now you thank them today because they knew what you were doing wrong I've never had a spanking myself from my mother or father that I think about now I didn't deserve and I thanked them for doing that if I was playing in the street I shouldn't be playing in the street I'm going to get hit 
Okay, the same thing with coaching or anything else. If your players know you love them and you care about them, then they're going to care about you. And they're going to put out for you and give that extra effort. And you've got to instill that in them. Nick Saban, if you listen to him talk in press conferences, you better not attack the player. You better not say anything negative wrong because he's going to defend his program. He's going to defend his players no matter what the incident is because he knows that player better than anybody else. He knows the background of that player better than anybody else. He knows exactly what that player's gone through to get where he is, and he's going to give that player every opportunity to take advantage of his God-given ability to get somewhere in life, and he's going to be there. Now, those players know that. Those players work hard for him. If you watch him on the sideline, he's not very nice. He's not very nice to anybody, his coaches or anybody, but he expects excellence, and that's why Alabama is who they are. All right, we got. Uh, we think we're going to do one last voicemail for you, Coach, because I know you got to get rolling, but here's the, last, here's the last one. Hi, Curtis from Moreno Valley again. Uh, this is for the coach. If the defense, and this is what Stanford's defense had to do against us, they double-covered Amon Ra, our third receiver. If they have to double-cover your number three receiver, you can't take advantage of that? There's some kind of advantages you could take. Uh, Curtis from uh, Moreno Valley. Curtis, uh, you're talking about them double-covering USC's receiver, I, I couldn't hear very well on that. Brian, is that what he said? Yeah, so he was saying uh, they double-covered Amon Ross St. Brown, um, who's oh, yeah, USC's sure. third receiver. Why wasn't the Trojans able to take advantage of that? Well, you're exactly right, and that's what you do. If you're doing this, they're doing that. You can use a great player to open up other things in your offense, and you don't, you're not very smart if you're throwing the double coverages. You're not very smart at all, but two great players can always beat one great player. Normally, you've got to figure the percentages on that, and if you're doing that, you're taking something away from coverage somewhere else in the field. So you take advantage of the entire field, and unless you utilize your tight end, unless you utilize your slot and throw to the middle of the field and have drag routes and corner routes and other things to hold those safeties, they have no reason, but why not go out and double cover them? So, you know, uh, it's all part of putting a great, what do you call it, something that works together. I mean, you got to work together. Uh, I mean, you know, it's the same thing. You heard me say this before. To fly, to be the pilot of Air Force One, you got to have a lot of experience. Otherwise, you never fly Air Force One. I want somebody that if we're in deep fog who's navigating my ship during the fog that's done it before, that knows how to make sure we get where we're headed safely. Well, it's not any different in football. You've got to be able that when you're at USC, you don't learn at USC, okay? You've learned somewhere else. And when you get to that level as an Alabama or or a USC or whomever you might be, you've paid your dues, and we know what you can do, and we know it's not coaching. Coach, I know we uh, you got a lot of stuff to do, uh, so we're going to let you go. Uh, I think Chloe and I are going to call an audible, try to answer a few more of these questions uh, when you go, just to 
we'll chat a little bit more. I know she has some thoughts on the game too, but coach, you know, we appreciate the time and uh, yeah, we'll see, uh, see if USA can turn around this weekend in Austin. Well, I hope they do. And it's not that hard of a thing to do. It's just break the film down, take a look, call a consultant in, uh, have someone sit down and assist you. Sometimes you see, you don't really see the big picture, but you see it all the time. And, uh, you know, Ask Clancy Pentagrass. Say, hey, what are we doing why your defense is so well in practice? Or what, what are we doing that we need help with? Uh, hey, you've got to share this type of stuff. I'm not saying it's him that's going to share it with you. But they got Dave Campo over on the defensive side. Why wouldn't they have someone, too, on the offensive side? I would surround myself. When I was a head football coach, I surrounded myself with potential head football coaches and NFL players and coaches, NFL coaches that are all there and still coaching. That's why I still cheer for these certain teams because I got coaches that are there and and are coaching or became head coaches at Minnesota or Fresno State and so on and are successful guys because I knew they were going to become head coaches. I knew they were. That's why I wanted them with me. And I hired three former head football coaches because they'd been there with the lights on before and they knew what they did was right or wrong. And we all worked together in making sure we could put all of our experience together to do it right. And I think that's what you need to do. All right, Coach. Appreciate the time. Uh, it was great. We'll, uh, we'll look forward to talking again next week, maybe under different circumstances. Hopefully, under different, <laughs> different circumstances. Well, I, I, I really do, too. I really do, too, because uh, I love to see them be successful, and winning's the name of the game, and winning solves all the problems. And it's Sometimes you, you make it too difficult, and it's not that difficult. You just make it simple and go out and play football. It's just a game. You know, get out there and get after people. Guys, just get, I, don't screw up my party. I always used to tell you that, Ryan. I used to tell on my teams that I've already planned a party. Don't screw it up. I ordered the pizza already. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, thanks again, Coach, and we will, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. All right. Before we jump back into the show, we're going to call an audible. Chloe and I are going to answer your questions, too. We're going to talk about 4Hymns. It's a new wellness brand for men. 66% of men lose their hair by the age 35. thing is, when you start to notice hair loss, it's too late. It's much easier to keep the hair you have than to replace the hair that you've lost. So is that slowly moving backwards? You got any bald spots yet? So do you want that to pop up now? Or you want to do something about it first? 4hims.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness for men. Hims will connect you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss, well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. They're not snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. These are prescription solutions backed by science. There's no waiting, uh, no waiting room, no awkward in-person doctor visits. You're going to save hours by going to 4 It's really easy, and the products are shipped directly to your door. So order now. All my listeners here on the Peristyle Podcast will get a free trial month of 4 for just $5 right now while supplies last. Go to the website, 4 for full details. It would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or pharmacy. So go to 4 slash USC. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash USC. 4 slash USC. All right. So this is our Audible. We got Chloe, Chrissy Coppolis, not Christy Coppolis. 
Chrissy Coppolis in uh, with in studio, and her mom's sitting here right next to her. Next year. Jo- you know, if you remember on the podcast, Joan from Idaho, Joan from Idaho is here. She's no longer from Idaho, but she's actually in studio. So if you hear any kind of giggling in the background, that's our studio audience here today. Or more yelling because she's so frustrated as to what happened last night in our hotel room. She was up late mumbling to herself about what is this team? What is going on? What am I going to do? And that's it's uh, I mean, her concerns are real. And those are concerns of the real, uh, real fans out there. I mean, it's not like this is something uh, new. Um, I think back in the day, so, you know, before your day, Chloe, uh, the, the, the Lane Kiffin years early on, um, there was a lot of people that didn't like the hire from the beginning. So similar to what Clay Helton, there's a lot of people that didn't like the hire. Lane Kiffin went on and won 10 games in a sanction year, went 10 and two, beat Oregon on the road, beat, uh, Notre Dame on the road. And everyone that was like, see Lane Kiffin's the greatest and stuff. And so the people that said, you should never have hired this guy. They were very vocal. They kind of got beat down to submission. Like they were never heard from again because now Lane's winning. And the same people that were saying that about Clay Helton, it's hard when you go to the Rose Bowl and win. You win the Pac-12 championship. Then you have stuff like this happen and you, those people are coming back. They're, they had let, they're still complaining before, but you're winning 10 or 11 games. Now it's a real thing. If USC ends up losing this weekend and starts off one and two, it's going to get even worse. So your mom's your mom's concerns are matching a lot of the the fans that we see out there. I do know that. And <laughs> I I have to say I was never a fan of the Helton hire and I've I ex- felt those concerns didn't really say anything but we skated by uh especially with Darnold and I mean now he's a starting uh, first year quarterback for the Jets. So obviously you can see what Darnold did for our program and what it means without him and the necessity for a change in coaching. Wow. Yeah. That's so there's a lot of people feel like coach Harvey Hyde felt that there should be some shakeup in the staff. Um, you know, and, and the problem is Clay Helton's one of the nicest guys you would ever want to meet. He's great uh, with everybody. Um, he's a, he's a great human being. So but he's going to have to make some tough choices. You know, there are going to be some changes made. So uh, we'll see about that. We're going to try to rapid fire through some of these questions. I know Harvey Hyde can go on a little bit. And we had, you know, we didn't, we, we just like scratched the surface of the questions that were just for him today. Uh, I'll start off with a voicemail. Here you go. Ryan here. Ivan from Redondo Beach, California. Uh, I just want to talk about um, what I'm seeing tonight. Watching the USC versus Stanford football game, uh, this is a joke. Offensive line is a joke. Uh, it, it all starts with the offensive line. We can't we can't get a push. Can't run the ball the way we want to run the ball. They can't protect the quarterback. Uh, it's just it's just it's, it's sad to see that uh, at USC football how how physically you know we, we we can't we can't push the ball. It's a it's a shame, man. And um, you know, I love your show. Just, uh, just wanted to say that, man. Thank you. Well, thanks for calling in. And uh, Redondo Beach, that's where we are right now. That's where our little studio is. Um, yeah, no, that's that's a huge concern. I said in all the live shows and all the podcasts that uh, this is an offensive line. You have 15 guys on scholarship. They're all four or five-star guys. This is the third year of the same system, the same coach. Um, there's no reason you have all this experience coming back, uh, four regular starters, plus other guys that played a bunch and started some games. So there really is no excuse if the offensive line is not playing well. 
And I want to look last night. I talked to uh, somebody last night that was around the team that knows the quarterback situation pretty well. And he wanted to know how much blitzing was actually going on. It didn't seem like a lot. I thought they did some... Stanford typically plays you straight up. I thought they did some exotic stuff uh, early on, but I need to go rewatch the game. I just haven't had a chance because we you know, flew back, traveled last night or this morning and see. But I think there was a lot of just four-man rushes and dropping guys in the coverage. So what that does is if you can generate pressure with just the four guys and you're putting a lot of people in coverage, you make JT Daniels' job all that much more difficult. So I need to, to kind of rewatch it, but you're right. It's not... Uh, you know, you can't just blame everything on the offensive line. There were some some good runs in there, uh, you know, mixed in. I think some of the short yardage stuff, they just didn't really get a push. I don't know how much was at the line or how much was, you know, if there's missed assignments, physical beats. They love to say that word. Um, you know, just telegraphing plays. It's, it's really hard to say. But, yes, I think the offensive line needed to play better, especially if Stanford was only rushing four. Was that one of your concerns too, Chloe? Or yeah. I mean, I have always been concerned with our offensive line, and I couldn't agree more that the the game starts and ends with the offensive line. Like, if you have no O-line, then you have no no shot. Um, I mean, I think that the offensive line was a concern last night. I think that our play calling was terrible. Um, I mean, and a combination of the two is just, yeah, you're done. Three points. <laughs> so if you like, you remember, like your mom will remember back, uh, it was 1990 where Washington shut out USC a uh, year before they won the national championship, I believe. Uh, but they still had like Steve Entman and stuff. Um, Todd Morenovich, he called it the all I see is purple game. So he was just on his butt the whole time. And uh, it was crazy. So that was zero. Like that's the last time USC was shut out, I believe. Um, there was, you know, Alabama two years ago. Two, two field goals. Um, and I think before that, it was like 1997 with uh, Washington again, I believe it was. But there, it's just it's not very often where you only score three points. And, uh, you know, it was a really inept offense perform- offensive performance. And, you know, the offensive line was, I think, was a big part of that. It's funny. I tweeted that last night. There's this tweet that kind of caught fire. It had like 300 retweets or something. <laughs> and uh, this morning I look and T. Martin liked it. Like I said, how inept... <laughs> Which is very strange, you know. Um, you want to read some of the questions, Chloe? Or? Um, sure. So this is something that um, I am very frustrated frustrated with because Helton claims that we're a run-first offense, but um, where was the run on fourth and two last night, Ryan? Yeah. Will you let me know? Because we tried to pass the ball, and it didn't work, and it was fourth and two. Who passes the ball on fourth and two? <laughs> Some teams do a lot. Of, I think a lot of teams do. I think in this case, yeah, you could have uh, done something else. Some people were concerned, like they didn't like that they went for it. I have no problem going for it. Fourth and short, I think percentage wise, you look at all the stats and stuff, you're doing all right there. Um, but you, I think it. we saw that too when you would rush to the line on um, third and one or third and two, and it, it never works. And they rush to the line, it just gets stuffed. And you got to be able to get out of that. They just try to be sneaky and it, it's like you're just hurting yourself. I think the short yardage stuff, that's where you really want the offensive line to shine. Like if you just feel confident, you can bust through the line and uh, and and make a big play, pick up three, four yards or something. And that, they, I don't think they have the kind of confidence. And we don't see them do that in practice. They're never doing it. And Coach Harvey Hyde, I can't believe I don't think he, I don't think he mentioned that. Um, that's something he harps on quite a bit. Like where's the short yardage stuff? You want to just feel you can go up there. We need one yard, two yards, whatever. Just go up and power and power through. So, uh, yeah, they didn't, they didn't see that. And I just be clear. 
I like T. Martin a lot. I like Clay Helton a lot. But, you know, these guys are getting paid a lot of money. And, and our job is to be, you know, if we see something that's strange or, you know, want to be critical about it, that's what we're doing. So it's not, I hate it when people get personal. This guy's stupid. This guy, it's like, no, don't be personal about it. But they're paid to do a job. And I think if you took this collection of players, there's four and five star guys all over the place. You should be able to score 21 points on Stanford. This is not the 85 Bears. I don't, and I don't agree with Coach. I'm not sure this is going to be a great Stanford team. I have them at number one in my power poll right now for the Pac-12 because they, you know, they beat USC convincingly. But I'm not convinced this is a great team. Um, so we'll see, you know, kind of going forward. But if they're not a great team and you still could only score three points, that's a, that's a real problem. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think they're a great team either. I think that we made them look better than they are last night. To be <laughs> entirely honest, I, yeah, I, I'm just disappointed. I could tell, Chloe. What, what, what do we got next? <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I actually really didn't ask the question. I just got really emotional. But uh, <laughs> Percy Tillman wants to know why they won't run the rock. So is that because of our um, lack of confidence in the offensive line? They won't run it because of that? Uh, you know, I I think they're so, they get stuck on balance for the sake of balance. I really felt that they probably let JT Daniels throw the ball too much against UNLV. He threw it 35 times then. He threw it 34 times. Last night, I know you're down. I get throwing it more. Um, they ran the ball more exclusively when Matt Fink came in. And I want to give credit to T. Martin on this. If you look at those, that drive was pretty nice. Like that to switch offensive philosophies from more of a, you know, drop back, uh, throwing the ball to really a zone read uh, option kind of um, scheme. It was pretty smooth. You just put the new quarterback in and it looked like a different offense and they actually moved the ball well. The problem is once they got into a third and 10, you have zero confidence in Matt Fink being able to complete the pass. It was ugly as, as sin and that you would have more better chance with a Jack Sears back there. And that, you know, to your point earlier, that's where we felt like he won the job as far as being the backup quarterback. Uh, the coaches told us that it was more about, you know, stuff that was off the field, uh, not getting in trouble off the field, but being uh, in the meeting rooms and things like that. So if he doesn't have the, the playbook grasped the same way, you know, maybe that's part of the issue. But I thought that actually ran fairly smoothly, but they could have run the ball more. And, you know, maybe it's some of it, they didn't have faith in the offensive line, but um, I, you know, people were getting on Akacentric Ware. like, you know, he ran the ball pretty well. Like, you know, Steven Carr, they, all those guys are good. Those three running backs are all good. Um, it didn't seem like there was a dedication towards running the football and it seemed a little grab baggy. Like Dan Weber likes to say, it just seemed like you're kind of picking plays out of thin air as opposed to sort of getting in a rhythm. But thanks for the question. Was it per Percy that said that yeah, one? Yeah, that was Percy. Thanks Percy. What else we got, Chloe? All right. So I'm a big Biggie fan myself. So George from Oxnard is wondering about Biggie. Lots of negatives in this game, but I thought Biggie had a terrific game, which I agree with. He yeah. looked good last night. What did you see from him, and did you like his decision to come back for his senior year? Yeah, I liked the decision. Uh, he did not want to come back. He wanted to be gone, but he didn't perform well enough to leave, so better for him to come back and try to perform well. Um, yeah, I thought he was good in run support. Like He was out there. You needed to. Um, they did some counters and stuff where you would – uh, most of the USC defense will be going one way and then Bryce Love you see coming the other way. So whoever corners on that side is kind of by themselves. And I thought he made some some good plays there. Um, I, there might have been one play. See, I haven't got to rewatch it yet, but I think there was one play where he might have got uh, beat deep. But, you know, this is a team that can go over the top with big receivers. Uh, I didn't, you know, not his problem, but like Coach mentioned, I don't think they played a lot of really tight coverage. They were playing kind of soft. 
They gave up a third and 13 and a third and 23. But overall, it's like the defense gave up 17 points. You know, that's the, the end of the day. You should win. You know, you, you the defense only gives up 17 points against Stanford where you have a Heisman Trophy candidate and, you know, 6'5 and 6'6 and 6'8 receivers all over the place. I mean, that's not bad. Like overall, yeah, there were some some lapses, but giving up 17 points at the end of the day, it's the same thing what you did with with Ohio State. You got to score. Um, the offense wasn't scoring, and and that's that to me, that was the big big concern. Yeah, I agree. I'm gonna have to give a shout out to my mom on this one um, because she's the one that said this. Actually, I mean, I think that the defense played really well. They did give up 17 points, but there was that drive right before the end. Um, of the first half where we had JT, it was fourth down, he fumbled, and then um, Stanford got the ball. And the defense was just frustrated. Like, Yeah, there was it just, that sudden change. It, it, yeah. it, just, it just sucked. Yeah. <laughs> like there's no... They were put in a terrible situation. And uh, yeah. And I mean, it, it changed the momentum of the game because the score, I would not say, was reflective of the game. I think that the defense played better than... 17 to three reflects, yeah. but I mean, that was just a momentum shift where you fumble the ball, you put the, put Stanford in a great field position and the defense has been battling all night and they're just angry. They're just tired. They're angry. And it was definitely a frustrating spot for them. You're, you know, you expect to go in halftime, you know, it's a, it's a one score game. And then all of a sudden it's switched. Are you, or are you going up or tied, you know, and uh, that didn't happen, obviously. <laughs> no. All right, what else we got there? We got a lot, huh? Yeah, we do. We'll uh, go for a little while. We'll just cut, try to answer some of these. I feel bad. Everyone writes in. Like, we want to be able to accommodate everyone, but it's just too hard. This is about our play calling, which angers me to no end. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of the coaches talking about execution and trust and watching film. It seems to me there is way too much thinking going on. I'm not the type to ever suggest firing someone, so instead, I think Clay should promote T. Martin to assistant head coach and get someone in here who knows how to scheme, practice, and run an offense. Do they have the type of plays in the playbook that will allow them to simplify things, practice hard, let the athletes play fast and physical, and be ready to go when the game starts? That's uh, John Abrea, our buddy. Uh, John from Trader Joe's. Thank you, John. Um yeah, he's our guy. Oh. Uh, yeah, just I don't know if you knew that. I did he, not. The the cool bags. Yeah, John's our We had a great time. So Chloe was out there at the event too. Um, hey, John, great points. And I want to give, uh, you know, T. Martin's getting bashed, uh, crazily bashed. I want to give him credit too. After the game, we were talking to him. And I know everyone didn't like all of his answers. Uh, and I think uh, Keely will have his video up if we don't have it up yet. But um, he sat around and... and we were getting harassed by security staff to get out of the way, moving it like we were in the the way where they're trying to take a lot of the um, uh, equipment out of there and stuff. But he had a big huddle around him with all the media and he just kept answering question after question. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I give him credit. He's, he's not ducking away from this. Um, you know, the other day he's the offensive coordinator and you scored three points. And, you know, that's probably why he liked my tweet. Like, you know, maybe there's some sarcasm there, but it's true. Like it, it wasn't an inept performance. Like you, the end of the day, you can't sugarcoat it. Now he talked a lot about execution and we had a question about that. Like the people frustrated with, well, what does that mean? Where does it come back to? Um, why is there a lack of execution? So um, I just don't know. The problem I've had from the beginning is uh, what is the, where's, you know, 
not that all of us know where an offense comes from, but usually if you have some sort of coaching guru guy, he's got his philosophy. You know, you know, Mike Leach, like he's got his thing. He might have a coaching tree under him. Like people, you know what his he's doing. This seems like it's a, you know, a hodgepodge of stuff when Lane Kiffin was around and Steve Sarkeesian is around and Clay Helton and T Martin is like, if this was like T Martin's, you know, playbook he created and this is what he runs, it'd probably be a completely different thing. You know, I think he's running somebody else's stuff or he, you know, it just seems like there's no real, um, this is what it is. Like there's this definition of what this is. There's, it's very loosely defined, I guess you could say. So uh, it, I would say it's not, you can't just blame him or, but there's a combination of things, you know, and, you know, you look at, this is one of the things you make a decision, you know, you make a poor decision. Sometimes uh, it, you find out right away. Sometimes it takes years. Um, you know, you look at a guy, you knew USC was going to have uh, a quarterback, a new quarterback this season. And Clay Helton had to hire a new quarterback coach and he hired someone that's never done it before. So I'm not saying that, you know, I, Brian Ellis, uh, he's getting a lot of rave. People love how smart he is and all this stuff, but he's never done it. He's never taken a freshman quarterback on the road and, and, you know, and know how to treat because he hasn't done it before. So by definition, he's learning what he's doing as he, as he goes, he might have, you know, experience playing experience, seeing things and being around, but he doesn't have the experience of doing it before you can't do it. Like if you've never done the job before, you just don't have that experience. So, that's a decision that was made by Clay Helton. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but when you look at a team and a quarterback struggles, it, it, that's got to be part of it. It's got to play into it somehow. Uh, I'm going to do a voice. We got one more voicemail, and we'll crank through some more emails and texts. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Well, this was what it, exactly what it felt like before Sam Donald came and masked an inept offensive coordinator. You know what? They say, what's our identity? I know our identity. Identity is that we have no identity. That's our identity. Our offense looks sluggish, uninspired, very predictable. Looked like Ohio State, looked like Notre Dame. It looked like Max Brown. So I don't buy that whole rookie quarterback deal because we looked just like this, you know, before Sam Darnold came on board with Max Brown. Just the offense is terrible. It's there's no more guessing. We're going to have probably like six more games just like this. It's it's just, it has to end. It has to end. We need a coach with vision or at least an offensive coordinator. I don't care. Get Norm Chow. Anybody. I, I take an eSport Madden player by now, man. Anybody. I'm desperate. This sucks. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I love it. Okay, I don't love the Norm Chow thing. Norm Chow is like a consultant, like Coach Harvey Hyde talked about that, well, like a Dave Campo. I think that'd be great. But you can't keep going back. That's part of the problem. If you keep going back to the well, you need some. There's other people out there that have coached quarterbacks and run offenses and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, maybe a Madden guy uh, doing. But that's. I'm running my master's thesis on esports. I could. Oh, I could find go. somebody for us. There, that'd be great. <laughs> um, yeah, but that was a great call. Uh, <laughs> Hello, darkness, my old friend. But I think we talked a lot about most of that stuff already too. Um, I I just have to say. I am so tired of hearing, oh, we have a rookie quarterback. Oh, we have a rookie quarterback. Well, yeah, we have a true freshman quarterback. Alabama with Tua, <laughs> freshman quarterback, or uh, Jake Fromm, freshman quarterback. Like, a freshman quarterback can get the job done if he has good coaching and 
confidence and a solid team behind him. There is no reason why we can blame our problems on a rookie quarterback. No, I agree with you. We've seen it. It's very popular. If you don't start as a freshman, you're transferring out a lot of the time. So it's it's a different era now uh, in college football. So, uh, all right. What, what else have we got, Chloe? Let's see. Um, we've got Rick from L.A. saying... I'm sorry, but Trojan football is starting to not be something to look forward to anymore. They struggle to beat the crappy teams and get dominated by the good teams. They always seem to have no gameplay whatsoever. Give me something to stay the course and not want to volunteer to work Saturdays. Wow. Rick in L.A., man, that's uh, that's that's pretty tough. He sent in a text message. Um, you want to enjoy like this is entertainment. You want to enjoy this, you know, like. For us now, when you're covering it, like it's it's changed because this is like our job, and you're in the press box till one in the morning or something. Like it's you're working, you know, you're doing stuff. But as a fan, you're out there. You want to enjoy this. You want to you want to enjoy putting on your USC shirt and hat and watching the game on your couch or going to a road trip or going to the Coliseum. Um, so sometimes it's the the way we are now with the social media stuff. You see the message boards. There's a lot of negativity out there, you know. But if you just enjoy Trojan football. And you say, you know what? I'm going to support whoever the coach is. I'm going to support whoever the offensive coordinator is. I just want to watch and enjoy it and have fun. And if we lose, I'm bummed, but I go home and whatever. That's great. You know, I think you can do that. I think most of the people we have calling in and writing in, it's more like critical minds. They take it very seriously and they want to put their two cents in. And that's what's great about college football. You can, you know, it's based on polls and all kinds of stuff. It's more about speculation than, than anything. You only get to play every team, you know, you play, you don't only get to discuss this team would be beat that team and all that kind of stuff. But I want you, Rick, I want you to have a good time. I want you to have fun. So maybe take a step back. It's not the end of the world. It's, you know, they, maybe they have the right coach, maybe the wrong coach. Maybe they do this wrong. Maybe they do that wrong. But I want you to be able to enjoy college football. I want you to be able to enjoy USC football. So do what you can to do that. Also think about the guys. Like, I am on the rowing team for USC, so I see the guys work out. I know a couple of them. A couple are my good friends, and they love it. And it hurts them to lose, but regardless, they go out there every single game, every single practice, and they play their hearts out. And they love doing it, and they want to win, obviously, but if they don't, then it's just going to push them even harder so think about the boys on the field working their butts off to to be better. And, I mean, that's what gets me through. That's what got me through last night when I was had my head in my hands. <laughs> it's like, I'm just so sad for all of them. But There's a lot of great guys. There's a lot of great guys on the team. There's a lot of great guys that work hard. And it's funny, you know, in this position we're in to cover them when they're in high school, get to know them while they're at USC – see them uh, when they're, you know, outside of, you know, when they go off to the NFL or they go into the work. I, you know, if you remember the name Zach Heberer, I ran into him at a tailgate party up there at Stanford. Um, he's about the same. He was 320. So he played from 2006 to 2010, was a guard. His first start ever was the upset loss to Stanford, the 41-point uh, underdog thing, the John David Booty broken figure game. Uh, but you know, and there were Stanford fans there saying, Hey, they, he was only one and three against Stanford at his time, but he also went to three Rose bowls, you know? So there was, he had a pretty good, he had a pretty good career, but just to talk to guys like that, like he, 
Uh, you know, he works as a, a buyer now for like construction companies and stuff. Just to see, a, there's a lot of really good dudes out there, and uh, you root for them. You know, if you don't like the scheme, if you don't like whatever, you know, root for the guys. Good point, Chloe. All right, who, who's up next? Okay, on let's go transition to a little bit lighter note. Okay, we've got Eric and Duck Country wondering what would you say this team does well. Oh, good point, Eric. Um, so I st- there's there have been critical people of the defense. I do like the um, aggressive nature. I like the the way that they kind of force the action and they force negative plays. Now, unfortunately, last night you didn't see that. Um, there was a, there was a few tackles for loss, I believe, but no sacks. Uh, they didn't force any turnovers. And when you hold a team to 17 points, I think that's going to be okay. But when your offense can't score, it was almost like the defense was put on notice. Hey, you better sack him you better force a turnover or you're not going to win and I think that was the case you're playing kind of right into Stanford's hands because they're not going to have to take a lot of chances and they're going to play it close to the vest because they don't need to do anything crazy Um, they're going to make it a lot harder for you to get a sack because they're not going to put KJ Costello in that position they're not going to put themselves in a position where they're going to turn the ball over so um, I think that the overall the defense plays pretty well I think the secondary is playing better than what we saw last year uh, Iman Marshall, I talked about, I think he's playing well. I like the way Cameron Smith is playing. He's lost 20 pounds. He's flying around in the backfield. Um, and there's some spots like uh, I, I like to see the running backs uh, when, you know, sometimes they just have zero holes and it's, it's really hard to do stuff. But when they get a little bit of a crease, I think they've all done some some pretty nice things. You know, I think there's been some some great catches. It's been inconsistent with JT Daniels and the wide receivers and stuff right now, but uh, you know, this team actually does some things well. Uh, special teams have always been a concern, but they did some pretty good things last night. I think Stanford ran out a couple of balls they probably shouldn't have, and, and USC got some tackles in there where they, you know, forced some longer fields. Um, th- this team does some good things. Like, don't say that, you know, they don't do any. I mean, J- I think JT Daniels is a special talent at quarterback, um, but they, there was a lot of mistakes too, and that's just uh, – you can't, it's hard to do that against a really well-coached team and a motivated team. And Stanford was a motivated team because they lost to USC twice mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. That's, I talked to guys about that. Like, yeah, that, that was a deal. Like, you don't want to do that. Um, so they were motivated and you, and you saw it out there. Yeah. What else we got, Chloe? All right. So Jared is wondering what would you change first? What is the most necessary change that this team needs to make? Oh, that's a really, okay, that's a really good point. Um, where's the biggest, there's, I mean, there's obviously some deficiencies there. Uh, I think you can start with the way they prepare. So go back and watch instant analysis from last week. Uh, I thought they did some really nice things in camp, the way they were getting ready. And if, you know, Dan, Dan Weber is all over this. He was look at it last week and it seemed like it, last week was a practice where you were trying to preserve like energy as opposed to going out there and attacking and hitting and stuff. I think you gotta be more physical in practice. You just have to do it. You just have to go do a couple days in pat. When you see like a soft performance, then you go out and practice, you know, extra, you know, and, and, and as many pads as, you know, at full days of pads that you can legally do and you go in and it doesn't, you have to tackle the ground the whole time. But you go and do a bunch of goal line stuff. Are they? Are they? Are you punching through it on third and two or fourth and two? No. All right. Well, 
start practicing that. I think you have to react to that, not just this is what we do. This is the script we go through. I think you could change that um, right away. And I think if you lose one more game, you could seriously consider making a change. Like if it's the offensive line's bad, you move Tim Drevno over and Neil Calloway becomes a, um, a consultant or something like that. And you hire someone out like at this point, it's the, you know he's been around for three years. USC's problem for years was they got a different offensive line coach every year. You don't have that now. This is three years in a row. There's there's plenty of guys there. Uh, there's all four and five star guys. So move Drevno over, bring in another running backs coach or something, and Callaway can become a consultant. I mean, I think that's one thing you could do uh, right away. But you could control like that's extreme. I don't see Clay Helton doing that, but you could change the way you practice. And I'm not nece- I don't necessarily see him doing that either. Yeah, I don't see that happening, but I really wish that it would. Um, I don't think that we practice with enough physicality. I agree with you that in camp it was much better, and I was pleasantly surprised. But it seems like once we get into season, it's powder puff football from the boys on the field. It does not look like they are adequately preparing for a game. And I can tell you, for from the rowing perspective, we are doing hard pieces and long pieces up until right before we race. We don't taper. You don't taper in season. There is no such thing as no pads November. This does not exist. You are practicing hard all the way through. And that is the only way that you are going to be ready to play. Yeah, no, it's a good point. And that's, that's a, that's a concern. And there's, it's a philosophy. And a lot of the people, when you switch it from like kind of an eye formation, like two back set, full back, things like that, running um, power football, to more of a spread, more of a finesse, not practicing hard as hard as you would like you know, during the Pete Carroll era. Now there's football's different now. You got the the CTE problems and all this kind of stuff. Like they know every time you get hit in practice, like they, I think the push going forward is going to be they want you to be hit less in practice because every time that you do, that's like adding a total and you know, and there's, you know, I don't know all about the the medical stuff, but you're trying to limit the number of hits you actually get. So I think you can do things a different way, but you have to be, there's a physicality I think that kind of needs to be there. However you do it safely, I think you can still do it without giving it the sense of, it seems like they're playing a lot softer. So, I don't know. What 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 other questions we got? We got How much we got left? We got a bunch. Huh? We do, but it's, it's kind of repetitive. All right. Um, you want to do like one more and we'll probably wrap it up or something? Sure. I'll ask you one my- I'll ask you my question. Okay. So I was watching the presser last night and I am so tired of listening to Helton credit the other team. Like, oh, they played a great game. They played a great game. Why in the presser can't he talk about what we need to fix and not say, I'm going to look back at the film. Like, yes, look back at the film, but we keep making the same mistakes over and over again. And at some point you need to take responsibility and make the necessary changes. Like it just... It isn't adding up for me. Yeah, and I think I think at some point you do give credit to the other team. And he was asked specifically because there were some Stanford media there, you know, asking like, "Hey, do you give credit?" Normally, you come in, you're talking about yourself, um, but you, you obviously you give credit to to Stanford in that situation. But he came out, and the opening was just like how proud he was of the team and all that stuff, and that just fell to me on like deaf ear like I don't know what you were trying to get there like you're trying to put some kind of positive spin uh on a turd you know it was a turd like <laughs> it, that game was <laughs> it was it was, a, it was it was horrible um it was awful and I think you have to go in there and you have to say something like 
all my years of coaching, I don't remember coming out and playing that bad. You know, if you say something like that, I think you get is it's more respectable when you come out and say, "I'm so proud of the team. They fought hard. They did this. They did." It's like no one wants to hear that at that point. Like they might. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying everyone didn't fight hard, but you know, I was watching the sidelines and stuff. I saw the offensive line sitting around, you know, late in the game where you know the defense was on the field and they were just all kind of sitting in their individual chairs. And Neil Calloway is like facing the field and no one's saying a word. And you're just like, uh, you know, that, that, that wasn't a great look. And there, there's not, you know, coach Harvey Hyde talked about some of the looks on the sideline. You know, watch if you're at a game, sometimes you can kind of check it out. But to me, that was the biggest problem I had. Like you, you can give credit to the other team. If that's all he did is come out and say that to, for the beginning, I don't think you need to start with that. It was one of the questions he was answered. But when you come out and say, you know, how proud you are, and you know, it's like, no, that's like, that's not what at that point want to hear is like we failed as coaches. We didn't put these guys in the right situation. They, you know, what I asked T. Martin was like, isn't this team too talented to only score three points? And and he said he kind of went got back to execution. And you know, there's you could have all the talent in the world, but you got to execute, which is true. But you know, my thing would be, you know, would a better coach, coaching staff, whatever, take the guys that you have and be able to do better. And I, I think you could say resoundingly, yeah, I mean, could you have done worse? It would have been really hard to do worse with that <laughs> offensive group. So I don't know. But yeah, that's that. I mean, sometimes there's like he's trying to put some kind of positive spin on something where that wasn't really to me, that wasn't the time for it. Now, we'll get his press conference coming up a little bit later today and we'll see what, you know, after we watch the film, if, if that changed at all. But fun. Yeah. All right. Do we want to read one more or is we going to end it on that? Is there one more like good one we um, should do? I feel bad. There's just so many. But. I know, but I feel like we just kind of okay covered everything already. I just don't want us to. Here, why don't you do the uh, Robin and Virginia one, maybe? Robin and Virginia. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Turnovers. We have not gotten there yet. Can we talk about turnovers? Sam had 22 or 24 or something last year just by himself. USC had three last night, two interceptions, and a fumble. Stanford had none. Is the inordinate number of turnovers for USC a result of poor coaching and lack of preparedness in practice? It's just a continuation of last year, and turnovers are still a problem. All right, Robin and Virginia, thanks for that. Um, so, okay, the fumble was on a fourth down play, and some people were like, it's terrible. It's like, yeah, it was like 10 yards or something of field position. Like I didn't really have an issue with the fumble. If you don't get the first down, you're giving the ball up anyway. It's an extra 10 yards, but that was a, you were forced into a situation. It was more of a desperate situation. Stanford was not in a desperate situation the entire night. So it's a lot harder to force a turnover. So I'm not going to like blame the defense when Stanford didn't need to do anything. It's very similar to the cotton bowl where Ohio state just got the lead and then didn't need to do anything else. Like they, I think Ohio State could have scored more points. The defense played pretty well, but they didn't need to score any more points. So they could play really conservative and not put themselves in a situation where they do turn the ball over and switch the momentum. So I think USC was in much more desperate situations. Uh, and I think that's part of the why it's there. I think Sam Darnold last year, people were getting on him for turning the ball over. He's a gunslinger kind of guy. He's, he's out there to, to make plays. And if, you know, they're not there. If you're getting pressure, like I think he's going to turn the ball over. You're seeing that you see the same thing happen with JT Daniels, a different kind of quarterback, more of a surgeon, more of a precision guy, but 
he's trying to make a play too because he's getting chased and uh, you're behind. So I, I think that's going to happen when you're put in more desperate situations. USC was pretty much desperate the entire game. Stanford scored on the opening drive and they couldn't get anything going. Uh, and once Stanford had the lead, that's just that's what they do. I mean, they can just take the air out of the game and you know run it downhill. I would have loved to see USC try to get an early lead and and run a lot of plays because I, I don't think the Stanford defense was all that deep and you could you know keep them on their toes a little bit. You played Stanford's game and not USC's game, so that's that's where the turnover thing to me comes into play. It wasn't going to be it was going to be hard for USC to force turnovers playing Stanford's game as opposed to USC's. I agree. I think that most of our games, we played desperate football last year. We had really close games. I mean, the Texas game, we won in overtime. And we relied on Darnold to make those big plays, which is how we came out with the win. But with those big plays comes the potential that there will be a turnover. So I think that that's the reason why we have so many is because we are pushed to make the plays in order to win the game. And we don't play strong football throughout and we don't play confident football and we need to work on that. Yeah. I think that you look at the, the Texas game, that's going to be a real road environment. That's not, you know, Stanford, you could hear the USC fans more than the Stanford fans in the corner of the, you know, when you would, USC band was cheering. We can't hear you while the Stanford band was performing. I could hear that from across the stadium louder than I could hear the band. That's not going to be anything like that. This is going to be on the road, hostile environment. You're in your own, you know, you're, you screw up a punt and you're starting to drive at your own seven yard line and you throw a pick six or something like you're going to hear about it. So there's going to be even more pressure. And if they can get a lead, then you can kind of, you know, alleviate that a little bit. But you'll be in a lot more desperate situations if you fall down at Texas and the crowd's behind you and everything. So we'll see how USC, USC responds to that. All right, Chloe, hey, cool stuff. Thanks for coming in the studio. Right from the airport, dropping in and helping us out. Thanks for having me. This was awesome. Well, I hope you enjoyed it. Joan, thanks for coming too, Chloe's mom. And uh, it was great to have a listener here in the studio. Uh, we're getting so, it's, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like, Oh, she's going to listen to it while she walk, walks the dog. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to do, so seven o'clock tonight, we're going to do a live show and we're going to have Bruce Feldman, who was the sideline reporter for Fox sports up there in the Bay area. He'll be in studio with us today. So me, um, shotgun and Keely, and we'll have Bruce in there to get his thoughts. So he gets some good inside stuff. Uh, had some really impressive things to say about what he saw from David Shaw and Stanford and how they prepared. So it'll be interesting to see what, he says on both sides of that. So make sure you tune in at 7 p.m. tonight if you get to listen to this by then. You probably have to like download it right away and, and listen to the all two hours or something and then listen. But yeah, that's what we'll be doing tonight. Uh, but if not, if you if if you don't get to do it live, we will have all the replays up on uscfootball.com, on our Facebook page, on our YouTube page. I think we'll do it on Periscope too. So lots of cool stuff there. But for Chloe, this is Ryan. Thank you so much for tuning in and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.